Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Uh, good, to, good to be with you all here. If I don't know you, uh, my name is Graham. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance. And uh, yeah, glad to, uh, to be with you guys here again today, and I'm excited to see what God's Word has for us. Um, I've got a question for you to start off. I wonder if you've ever had, uh, if you ever shared something with someone that you were really excited about, but you didn't really get like much of a reaction in return, right? Or that person, they didn't really care, they weren't really excited, as excited as you. Has that ever happened to you guys? Yeah, I'll give you an example. Um, I really enjoy eating food, right? Who here likes eating? Good. If you don't like eating, well, I don't know. We'll have to find something else for you. Um, one of my favorite things to do, though, is to like find out like a really good restaurant to eat at. That's like my love language, right? Um, you can write that down if you want. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I remember when, uh, when Dylan and Autumn first moved here that I found out that Dylan really likes eating too. And uh, so whenever I would find a good restaurant, that I knew that I could like go to him and be like, he would get really excited about it too, right? And so like we would, we would like exchange restaurants. He'd be like, I went this place. And I was like, oh, really? I got to try that. And I would do the same thing for him, right? Um, and so... Yeah, except for, for a while, this has recently changed, but for a while, Dylan didn't like Indian food. And I love Indian food. And so there's a, there's a restaurant near Namur Metro. It's called Push Up Sweets. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it has like a really good uh, Indian food, and it's really cheap. And cheap is my love language number two. And, uh, but, but I'm, I'm forgetful, right? And I forget that Dylan doesn't like Indian food. So every time I would go to this place, I would get like really excited to tell him how good it was. So I'd be like, hey, I went to Push Up last night and it was so good. We got so much Indian food and it was like $15. It was amazing. And he would be like, bro, I don't like Indian food. Um, and so what was good news for me was not such good news for him, right? And so that's a little bit about what we're talking about today. What's good news for you may not exactly be good news for others. And, and this is true when we're talking about our faith as well. But Because in reality, we will face opposition when we, f- when we share the good news about Jesus. The good news of Jesus for us isn't always perceived as good news to other people. And because of that, we will often face pushback from others when we share who Jesus is. And so the question I want us to explore for today is this. In light of opposition, why should we live on mission? Why should we live on mission? I have four uh, main points that I think will help answer that question. Uh, Number one, we see many will believe. Number two, we see Jesus is the only means to salvation. Number three, God's spirit empowers us to. And number four, we cannot help it. So today we are beginning a new series uh, called Life on Mission. 
Um, we've got a slide here. So uh, I want to take a moment actually just to acknowledge both Freddie and, and Ruthie for the hard work on this. this is a couple of, of months here, we've uh, helped build a design team and they've been a part of that and they help, have helped create like graphics and, and uh, different, different designs for like social media and sermon series and they've been involved with some phot photography and they've helped create order out of like the visual aspects of this church. So thank you guys for uh, being a part and doing that um, and, and serving the church in that way. So uh, if we go back to the series though, again, this series is called Life on Mission. The main idea of this series is that as Christians, we are called to live purposeful lives that point others to Jesus. All right, that's what it means to be a Christian, is to follow Christ and point others to him in how we behave and how we speak. So we're going to be talking about ways in which we can share the gospel, uh, ways that we can love others in our lives, and the way that we can show the world who Jesus is. Because that is what being a Christian is all about. It's not about how good we are, but it's about how good he is. And so that is what we hope to explore in this series, Life on Mission. We're going to read our text for today in just a moment. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 is where we're going to be for today. If you don't have a, a Bible, you can feel free to follow along on the screen. Or we do have Bibles at the Connect table, and you can take one of those. That's our gift to you. So again, Acts chapter 4 is where we're going to be. I'm going to give you a bit of a context uh, to share just a little bit about what we're walking in to for today. So our story, it takes place after Jesus has been raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. Um, just prior to our passage, we have two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, who have just healed a man who is unable to walk from birth. Right? So they heal this man, and then they begin to preach to the people who witnessed this uh, event. They, they, they begin to preach to them about who Jesus is. So that's a little bit of context for you for today. Uh, let's read our text, though. This is, again, Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, 
when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them to not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Let's pray and we'll, read, uh, we'll get into our sermon for today. God, we, um, we, we come to you today. We just ask that you would uh, speak to us through your word. And God, that we would leave here not being able to uh, help it, but just to speak of what you have done in our lives. Um, we pray that many that we encounter would believe um, because you are the only one who saves. We ask for boldness to share the gospel, and we ask for your spirit to work in us as we do. Um, oh, we thank you for Jesus. We pray this all in his name. Amen. All right. Uh, let's dive right in here. The first thing that I want us to see is that we live on mission because many will believe. Our section today, it begins with Peter and John, and they're being opposed for sharing Jesus, right? Um, but although we, we, we see that the message will be rejected by some, we also see that it will be accepted by many. So after, after healing this man, we see Peter and John are preaching to the people about the resurrection of Jesus. It says that they are arrested and held in custody. But then this is what it says in verse 4. It says, But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So in spite of the attempts to prevent them from sharing the gospel, people around them are responding in faith, and they are believing. And this is important for us to know, right? I don't know about you, but for me, it doesn't always feel that way, right? I, don't, I can't remember the last time that I shared the gospel and 5,000 people came to Christ. Um, for me, that just hasn't happened, but I absolutely believe that it could. Why? Because it is God's power that is working in and through us as we put our faith in Jesus and we are bold enough to share his good news. Right? And because Jesus tells us himself that people will believe. Right? This is what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Right? So there are more people out there who will believe. God's not finished working yet. A few weeks ago, Dylan preached for us on 2 Peter 3, and it says in verse 9, 
The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as, count, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's will is that people would know him. It is his desire that people be saved, that many would come to know him. He is patient towards us. And there are, are people out there that need to hear the gospel and that will respond to the gospel. And praise God that when we share, people will believe. This is so much of, of what we've actually been, been celebrating as a church lately. A few weeks ago, Juan shared with us that over time, as he's been having conversations with his dad, that his dad put faith in Jesus, right? Uh, we also recently celebrated four new baptisms in this church, which means that as a result of people hearing the gospel in this church community, God opened their hearts to make a decision to follow him. How amazing is that, right? If you're here and you're a Christian, it's because someone shared the good news of Jesus with you and God worked in your heart to fall in love with him. This is from Romans 10. It's, he, this is Paul uh, speaking. He says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not always, uh, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is why we share Jesus with people because many will believe. So believe that God will save people. We live on mission because many will believe. Next point, we live on mission because Jesus is the only means to salvation. And verse 12, Peter preaching in front of the religious leaders, he says this. He says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's a bold statement, right? It's a bold statement because the Bible claims that Jesus is exclusively the way to be forgiven of our sins. And this is not just a standalone passage. I'm not cherry-picking this here. This is consistent throughout Scripture. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself says as much in John 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this undoubtedly will not be perceived as good news for everyone. Right? Not everyone is going to delight in the good news that Jesus is the only way to salvation. This was offensive in Peter's day. It's one of the reasons why Peter and John were arrested. And it will be offensive in our day. It will be offensive because the claim that Jesus is the only way to salvation is exclusive. Let me say this. Jesus is exclusively the way because he alone is God. And he alone lived a perfect life and died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead. No one else has ever done that and therefore no one else can offer you to be forgiven of your sins and have uh, a path to an all-perfect holy God who we have sinned against. And so, and, uh, and, and this invitation um, is, it's been extended to everyone who will put their faith in him. So the exclusivity of Jesus says there is one way to God and yet, paradoxically, it is its inclusivity that makes it so beautiful. 
as this invitation to follow Jesus is for all. And he, put, he promises that everyone that puts their faith in him will be saved. And so if this is true, if Jesus is the only means to salvation, we must live on mission, right? Because there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So we live on mission because many will believe and because Jesus is the only means to salvation. Next, we live on mission because God's Spirit empowers us to. If we look back at our passage here, this miracle that we see, right? We see this miracle of the, the man getting healed. This is actually the first recorded miracle in the Bible performed by the church. So this is the first time that someone from the church ever performed a miracle. If we, if we look back just a couple of chapters, what we see, this happens right after the Holy Spirit comes to the believers at Pentecost. So this is a result of God's Spirit working through followers of Christ after his death. Um, and his resurrection. And Peter tells us as much in our text. He says, it says in verse 7, it says, And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this, this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. So what Peter is saying is this is Jesus working through him. Right? Jesus working through the church. None of this is, is possible without the Holy Spirit. I cannot do this without God. This does not come from my own strength, he says. This is the power of the living God working through believers. This is Peter using this miracle to point people to Jesus. So instead of saying, hey, check out what I just did, his response is, that must have been God. That is not me. That is Jesus himself. So similarly, similarly for us, when, when others see Christ in us, we have an opportunity to acknowledge that and say, yeah, that's not me, that's God. Right? I, I'm not like this on my own. In fact, I'm, on my own, I'm the very opposite. This must be God working in me. Because you live like Jesus, point people to him. This is what it is, uh, this is what it means to live on mission, pointing people to Jesus. And you can do this because God's spirit lives in you. Um, if you're here and you're not a Christian, maybe you're exploring what all this means, I'd invite you to consider what Jesus has to say on this topic. This is from John 16. This is Jesus speaking, and, and here's what he says. He says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Right? That is for you. You can have the Spirit of God living in you if you will put your faith in Jesus. Not only is this promise for, uh, uh, for an eternity with God in heaven, it is an invitation for him to work right here, right now in your life to transform you to become more like Jesus. Right? You have the opportunity to point people to someone much greater than yourself. So those who, who have put their faith in Jesus, he promises that his spirit will live in you. That means you are not doing this on your own. 
You, you live on mission by the power of God himself. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and is with you in your everyday lives. So why do we live on mission? We live on mission because many will believe, because Jesus is the only means to salvation, because God's Spirit empowers us to. Finally, we live on mission because we cannot help it. If we look uh, back at our story here, we see Peter and John, they're arrested, and they're, they're being questioned here before the chief priests, the religious leaders of their day. This is what it says in, in uh, verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. I don't know if that's a familiar phrase to you. When was the last time that we see this phrase connected with Peter? I'll show you here. This is from Matthew 26. It says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. Right? But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, Bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know this man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you, you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the roaster, the, the roaster, she's coffee on my mind, the, the rooster crowed. And, uh, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So the last time Peter was recognized as being with Jesus, he denied him. Right? He denied him three times. Two of those times he lied to, to a couple of little girls. Right? And now he's standing in front of the highest leaders in Israel and, at the time, and, and they say the same thing. They say, hey, You've been with Jesus, right? We know you. You guys were with Jesus. We can tell. And then what do they say to them? It, it says, in order to, that, they may, that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So in a very different situation, with much more pressure, Peter is faced with the exact same temptation. Just deny Jesus. Right? Just don't talk about him anymore. Your faith is fine if it's your own, but don't impose that on us. Whatever you do, do in the confines of your own house, but don't bother the rest of us with it. This is how Peter responds this time. It says, But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, we, you, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't help it. Right? God has done too much for us to stay silent. He forgave Peter's sins even after he denied Jesus. And he does the same for you. He faced the wrath of God on the cross for your sins, which is a debt that you and I cannot pay. You and I do not have the ability to pay for our sins, our rebelliousness towards God. And so God provided a way for us and that's through Jesus. And when we recognize that he truly, what he truly has done for us, we cannot help but speak what we have seen and heard. 
I don't know if any of you saw this. There was a video that surfaced this, this week of this church worship, worshiping on a plane. Um, I don't know if you saw it. So uh, to my understanding, this group was on their way back from a mission trip, and they had been asked if they could sing a song. Or they asked, they asked the, the, the pilot, I think, to, if they could sing a song on this plane. So they sang the song, uh, How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. And as this video was starting to circulate around the internet, um, it seemed like the general reaction to it was like, man, that is super cringy. Like, how awkward is it for the rest of those passengers? When I'm on a plane, I just want to be left alone, right? I want to get from A to B with as little interaction as possible. And I'll admit, like, when I first saw it, that was a bit of my first reaction too. Um, but maybe... Uh, I don't know, maybe that's not the, the, the best mission strategy. I don't know, maybe there are better ways to share the gospel than that. But as I thought about it a little bit more, I thought maybe that's not the question we should be asking. Maybe it has less to do with employing this as a mission strategy or seeing whether or not people on the plane were comfortable. Maybe a better question to ask would be, man, what did God do that made them want to worship on that plane? Right? What, what made them say, we cannot help it we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What did God do for them to react that way? And so I would ask you today, what has God done in your life? What sins has he forgiven of yours? What are you saved from? And how would you respond to that? As Christians, we love to obey God for what he has done for us. We live on mission because we cannot help it. And ultimately, we live on mission because Jesus did. Right? We look to Jesus as our example of how we can live on mission. Jesus, who left his home in heaven to come to us. He came trusting that many would believe in him for what he would do for them. Jesus came to us with the message that salvation is found in him. Jesus came doing everything completely empowered by the Spirit according to the will of God. The good news of salvation that he came with was not good news for everyone. His message of exclusivity was not good news for everyone. So his own people nailed him to a cross. And yet even when facing opposition, Jesus obeyed the Father. Jesus did everything because he could not help it, because of the love he had for the Father. And so why do we live on mission? Because Jesus lived on mission, and that mission was to accomplish the forgiveness of sins of the world. And he invites us to be on mission with him as his spirit lives in those who believe in him, empowering us even in the face of opposition. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.